Welcome again to the Southwest Climate Podcast, Mike Crimmins. Hey, Zach. How you doing? How you doing? Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. You look uh, like you're bundled up there with the the hat on and everything. Are you uh, are you are you prepared for the the cold season here in the it Southwest? Kind well, of. It's too Tucson beanie weather, right? I mean, we got lows in the forties. That's true. At least you're not wearing like a puffy. (laughs) (laughs) I will. I will later. (laughs) 65 seems like puffy weather, right? Wouldn't you throw on a down jacket? I'm zipping up my fleece right now. It's kind of nice, right? Like it happens quickly. I feel like it happens quickly. Like I don't, right? Like, yeah, it just feels in my mind, like, like mid October, it was a hundred degrees. I always feel like that about Tucson is that one week I'm wearing shorts and the next time I'm putting on that down jacket, except they probably don't need a down jacket. It's like that kind of thing. <laughs> you get acclimatized really quickly. Like I remember when I first moved here, like I was wearing shorts all winter and it didn't take long for like me to be like, oh yeah, it's kind of actually cold. And and uh, it totally, <laughs> changed. Like I don't know if like something physiological happens, like physiological adaptation to the you get relativized really quickly same with oh heat. totally it works yeah. the opposite way for heat i'm like yeah 100 degrees it's not that it's not that oh no yeah i that's a normal day now i mean and i was even like oh man you know it's cold out maybe 100 degrees i'm not whining i'm not whining no this is great this weather i, <laughs> uh, this I love that the transition yeah. into fall is so is really fun it's everything is um just that relief of the the heat and the sun uh just starting to you know, revert back to this cooler weather is great. All right. I don't remember how long it's been. It's been probably a little over a month since we did a a podcast. We were still talking about the monsoon then, and we're not going to talk about the monsoon. We'll try not to talk about the monsoon. Uh, (laughs) There's not much to talk about. (laughs) I want to focus on maybe an arbitrary grouping of, of, of months, but let's, let's sort of unpack November and in in December. Let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about this season, if you will, you can push back on that uh, if you want. And then we'll, we'll get into a little bit of the recent conditions in terms of rainfall in terms of synoptic conditions, uh, a little bit on snowpack, talk a little bit about um, where we are with drought. That'll be a, um, something to keep an eye on as we go forward. And then, you know, probably the story that most people that listen to us, you know, have been paying attention to, or at least heard about, you know, we're, we're now moving into actually a pretty strong, a strong El Nino event. Um, And it looks like that'll, that'll persist going forward. And, and we'll talk a little bit about uh, Inso and and the strings that Inso plays for, for our winter. So uh, typical, typical affair here. Uh, but Mike, maybe, maybe let's start it off with like thinking about November and, and December, because um, you know, I on the surface for me, I always find November to be it's not very memorable, I yeah. should say. Um, but I think that there's quite a bit of quite a bit of nuance to it, and it's an important part of our winter, it's the early stages of, of our winter. And so if you had to sort of describe 
November and December, like with the climate feature, like I'm, I'm just curious how, how you think about it, right? Like, so if we thought about May and June as being like the march toward peak heat, and obviously the monsoon season as being characterized by intense rainfall and, and, and convection and, and maybe thinking about late September and into October as, you know, the occurrence of, you know, tropical storm for, uh, for, for example, like how might you think about November and December? Yeah. You know, we were kind of talking about this earlier, but I, I almost need to put October to try to describe November, right? Cause November, November is, is a weird, it's almost a kind of a throwaway month in a lot of respects when you look at the kind of the climatology of the region. I mean, I don't want to like, I'm not totally trying to, you know, Bag are you poo-pooing? Are you poo-pooing November? I kind of did. I mean, it's a good, it's a good month. It's got Thanksgiving in it and Veterans Day. I mean, it's got some great holidays in it. Um, but climatologically, it's always been a funny one for us to talk about, which I think is what you're kind of hinting at. So October well, why is that? I am yeah, hinting at yeah, that. Yeah, no, it, it, that's it. And I think it's you know because October is uh it's it's the end of the like the monsoon i already invoked the monsoon couldn't even help myself we already talking about the monsoon so <laughs> we're, in October, we're, we're three minutes into the pod and we, we've already yeah. talked about the monsoon and we're two months past the end of the season and i've already bringing it up again so october is um is you know we we the monsoon transition we we talk about it starting in kind of well we have the official season in the southwest june 15th through september 30th those are just dates on the calendar and the climate kind of does what it wants, largely follows within that period. But October can be a funny month in the sense that it can have some lingering subtropical moisture to the south. Maybe the monsoon doesn't, you know, doesn't retreat real quickly. It's also the East Pacific is also still can be still quite busy with uh, tropical Pacific storms. So it's it's totally not unheard of to have storms wander up here. And, and some of the the biggest, most destructive tropical storm events we've seen in Arizona have actually occurred in October, right? So, it, you know, if you look at the climatology, it's got this really crazy, most of the time it doesn't have much grease up at all, but then it has some of the record wettest conditions. So that's October. And temperature wise, it's, uh, it's the season where if there's still humidity around, it can actually be quite warm at night. That'll kind of keep temperatures up. And we're also still dealing often with the retreating monsoon ridge. So that can be kind of in play too. So it can get quite, it can still be quite warm in October. I mean, right? we, this October, again, yeah. I think mid-October we had, you know, 100 degree weather across uh, much of the Southern parts of Arizona. Absolutely. It was similar to the fall of 2020 and just kind of the misery of the the heat kind of hanging on. And so, and and we know too, it's we're we're into fall at that point. So every day the sun angle is getting a little bit lower, right? So so you have to have you're losing solar radiation, which is the driving force of those temperatures. And so it's you've got all these weather features and patterns that are dynamically creating these hot conditions and sometimes humid, right? So by the end of October, you you typically days are much shorter. Typically, the monsoon moisture is now really retreated out, and we're starting to get more in a fall weather pattern. So the temps can really start to to back off. Like once it dries out and the dew points start to fall, in you know here in Tucson we'll see the dew points. You know they'll be in the 40s and 50s at the beginning of the month if the monsoon is still hanging on. By the end of the month, we could be down in the 30s and even the 20s. So by that point, you are in 
you have real opportunity for strong radiational cooling and it can get quite cool. So the days are shorter and the weather pattern is maybe now bringing in some troughs, which is some going to be some cooler, drier air from the Northwest. And so it starts to feel a little bit more like fall. So, so November is just a lot more of that, right? So it's, it's that we get a taste of it sometimes in October and then November kind of you're baked in, you're in the fall weather pattern. The weather's coming out of the West. We can often have the uh, cool troughs come by. Uh, we're very rarely dealing with subtropical moisture. Sometimes it can sneak up and the dew points can often uh, fall off. So we can we can now start to see some more seasonal weather. Um, it is in that, that fall pattern. The, the storm track in the jet stream climatologically is really north of us still even, right? I, I remember reading one time that um, the Pacific Northwest has this interesting feature where in the fall, the the subtropical or the mid-latitude jet stream starts to descend south as the whole uh, the whole northern hemisphere cools off. So that storm track kind of comes over them, and then as it continues into the winter, it moves south of them and it moves towards us. And then they get this second pulse in the spring where it comes back up over them. We're we're far enough south that we're waiting for that kind of core of that jet stream activity, and that really doesn't happen really kind of climatologically until December, right? So so November is right in the middle. It's, kind of it's right in the middle between the monsoon ending in, you know, September and October, and then the real winter weather of the Southwest coming online in December. So it it is not a particularly wet month. It can be if we have some interesting weather features that kind of come to play with a, a trough that pulls up some subtropical moisture but, but it, it isn't kind of the, and you even see this in the snowpack accumulation climatologies, is that you can start to get some, but you don't typically really climatologically pick up speed with our winter weather until December. So by that description, then um, we would expect that November, statistically, it's just less likely to have rain than, say, December and January for our area. Yeah, I think if you look at the if We're playing with small numbers here. So they're, we they're... are playing with small numbers, right? Yeah. yeah. And so the climatograph is, and it's, it's, it climatologically, I think it has lower variability and higher precip than October, but October is so. Right. But, that's, right? but I think your point is like, it's almost like we need to treat these months as distinct, separate from the other ones, because what is driving the expression of, you know, weather is, is different. That's right. They're transition months and it's, it's very much, well, it's, I think it's even more complicated than the way we would treat April, May, June, which is another series of transmission transition months where you're transitioning out of winter and into summer. Um, that, that climb out is at quite a bit less interesting because it's just, the days get longer and it gets hotter and windier. <laughs> so, so we're here. The opposite is like, oh, there's this tropical moisture that can come into play in October, and the November is like you're you're out of monsoon, but you're almost a little bit early for the core of the the winter storm activity to really come online. That's not to say that there haven't been been wet Novembers in the past, but they're they're not they're not as climatologically pronounced. Right. So I guess like it is an it, it's it's probably another high variable month different from 
October, which is a high variable month, high high variability rather. Yeah, and 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 again across the Southwest, this this varies a bit too, right? So from Arizona to New Mexico, so you know New Mexico is has been interesting to watch, and, and they, New Mexico has this interesting since they're butting up on the Great Plains and even have kind of Great Plains on the eastern part is what can happen in November, especially we've, we've seen this. And I think both you and I know when we get out on our bike rides and there's a, there's a strong east wind in Tucson sucks, right? Cause you're, it's, it's howling across the city. Those are, uh, those are winter storm events. The early ones that are cresting over Colorado. Those are the ones that are going to start to give like the front range, their first taste of snow. And it's all really cold air that's pooling down on the Eastern side of the front range. And that cold air can make New Mexico a lot colder than Arizona, but then it it causes this big squeeze of pressure towards the West and it comes across, it's kind of like a, it's kind of like, it's a catabatic wind or like a Santa Ana wind California would have. But then and that's, that's interesting. So it's actually yeah. by a storm track that, you know, it's to our North that causes the, the, the heavy cold air to sink down on the eastern side of the Rockies, which then flows south and drives a pressure gradient that pushes air to the west. Yes. So it's it's and you can think about it. It's it's a big pool of cold air at the surface and it's looking for the lowest spot topographically. And if it's in the right spot in New Mexico, it's perched above the Gulf of California and it. I mean, I'm saying it has agency and like it knows that, um, but it's, but it's, it literally will take all of the, the low, it flows like water to the Gulf of California. And um, those, I mean, that, that is kind of an interesting, cause you've got, you can have cold and even snow in New Mexico. And we would be in this kind of interesting, strong East wind that would kind of be cold, but it could even cause, um, well, it's, it's just not a, it's, it's not as, um, a rich weather feature here other than wind that it would produce there. So even across the Southwest, you get these kind of interesting weather patterns that would emerge in the fall time here. But you started this by saying that you wanted to take November, December sort of separately. At least that's what I was hearing you say. So yeah, yeah, is December categorically different or is it just maybe we have a, you know, we're that, 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 that storm track uh, and jet stream position has slumped further south. And so we're more perhaps in line with receiving, you know, storms from the Pacific Northwest or the, or, or the North, um, yeah, the nor- Northwest area. Like what's different, I guess the question is, what's different about December from November? December is typically the, the storm track now starts to bottom out across the west and so that's that's where you're going to get because you're going to have the the it's the beginning of winter so that strongest radiational cooling at the poles because the lack of sunlight and you're going to start to see more interesting like arctic oscillation uh features uh emerge which can be you know if it's when we talk about past kind of a positive ao means all that cold air is bottled up around the the north pole and so then the the weather across North America, it can be mild. And then if it is negative, it can spill a lot of that 
activity far to the south, which can inter can actually interact with um, the jet stream and bring us these cold snaps and also that weather. It, it really is about the, again, the climatological position of the mid-latitude storm track really starts to descend into and reach its, you know, reach its potential for bringing storm activity that's wet uh, to the Southwest. We have to kind of wait for it. It's, it's too early in November. It's still, I mean, it's, it's possible with really, really strong waves in the jet stream to bring them through Arizona, but it's not like you could settle into it like you would get into the later part of December. And this has, this actually is important when we talk about El Nino as well. Okay. That's interesting. So then as we think about the winter and you know it's it's a it's consequential on a lot of levels right like um it's a time when you know impacts can really emerge in terms of water like we've talked about this a lot snowpack conditions across the really across the four corner states are are of vital importance for for water impacts can set the stage for drought conditions you know, particularly on the heels of a, of a dry monsoon, which is what we had in the, in the last, uh, there we go again, I'm bringing up the monsoon, which is what we, <laughs> what we just had, you know, obviously it relates also to, uh, fire in the, in the fire season in the April, May, in, in, in June period. So in terms of thinking about the, the total package, what are you looking for at, at, at this moment in November and, and December? Anything that is a harbinger of, you know, perks your ears up or is a harbinger of, you know, what might might come or are you just sort of paying attention to weather and, 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 and monitoring without sort of thinking about how it's ultimately going to end? Yeah, it's funny. I don't. I don't put a lot of stock in what happens in November. Like it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't worry me if it goes one way or the other, quite honestly. It is what about December though. December I get, yeah, December by, by the middle of December, um, I really start to look for snow. So, and again, you can, you can kind of think about the whole Southwest too, is that, you know, November is even, is a little bit more important for, northern arizona northern new mexico than it is the southern part of the state because it is about the the storm track settling south so um and, and there's been a bit of activity across the northern parts of both arizona and new mexico so far even a little bit of kind of early season snow but if it's not you know clocking in amazing amounts by the end of november kind of like what it is this year i'm not i'm not too concerned but you know as december picks up we get towards the end of the month if we're not, you know, if, if the pattern is starting to look like, you know, California is getting a lot of this activity, Southern California, and it's missing us, then I get a little bit, I get a little bit nervous, you know, at that point is, and, and, and especially in an El Nino year, the, the, the typical impacts to the Southwest are the really the January, February, kind of even into March period, it's not really the fall. Uh, when we think about ENSO, we, we talk about ENSO impacts. Yeah, I guess for me, I mean, I think it's compelling that November is, and you think about November a little bit differently than you you think about December in that um, once you get to the end of December, at least in terms of snowpack, 
it's somewhat difficult to make up large deficits, you know, but like at the end of, at the end of November, you know, that's maybe not something that you wouldn't sort of forecast ahead, you know, but I'm always looking for December and, and for November and December, I'm sort of looking for a monitoring, at least in terms of like the snowpack and the rain conditions, like, because I do think like, and this is sort of an obvious statement, but as you march through winter, it's better to be playing with house house money than trying to sort of playing from 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 a deficit here. You know, you want to get out on a uh, you know fast. I, I I would say, and so you know, I looked at like if we just thought about last year, we had um, a really quite uh, wet winter season across the 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 west and i looked at what the snowpack conditions were like on this on the same day that we're recording today late november and you know compared that to what we've got so far and we we'll talk a little bit about where we are in, in in the moment but suffice it to say last year you know we for much of the higher elevation sites i mean again it was a mixed bag like if you look at all of the sites, there are some that were, you know, greater than 150% of average and some that were less than 50% per, per, per percent. So there's quite a bit of variability as you would expect just a month, month into it. But there's quite a number of them, particularly in Utah uh, and across the spine of, uh, of, of the Rocky Mountains that are near average or, or above. And, and so, I mean, we ultimately had a pretty a, a pretty important and and consequential wet winter last year. But if you look at right now, I mean, vast majority of them, again, there's variability, but the vast majority of those high elevation snow monitoring sites are, are showing less than 50% of snow water um, uh, equivalent. It was also a cooler year last year than it has been this year. So, you know, the rain or the snow that did fall, you know, probably melted off quicker this year than than it would have last last year but you know we're again we're sort of next time we do this podcast we'll have to check in on on what the snowpack conditions were like because if we're you know i think you want to be in a position of being above average or or or, or close to average and if we're like you know 50 percent of average like again it just like it's going to struggle to catch up and and produce like uh, a really big wet snow water equivalent year and that's and that is important. We mentioned this before, but the but it is important because this the water runoff efficiency has been going that trending toward becoming less efficient. That that what that means is it's not one to one, um, and so you need a much above average snowpack on average to get average stream flow conditions. So, in terms of water runoff or like our water impacts, it is important that we get as much as we can um, throughout the entire season. And, and, and so hopefully, um, hopefully, yeah, we'll just, we'll monitor that as we go forward. So in terms of November and, and December, for me, I'm always sort of looking at, I'm, I'm sort of monitoring it and, and using that sort of forecasting, like the past is a, is a predictor of the, uh, of, of the future. And it, 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 it does have a, a role to play. It's That's not 100%. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not dynamically, it's not mechanistically related, right? But it's yeah, important. No, you're good. That's a really good point. So 
Yeah, 100% on the the water, the runoff efficiency aspect. And we, we know this more and more from some of our colleagues' research, but the the summer and in the fall precipitation across, uh, especially some of the upper basin watersheds is really important to make sure that the the soil moisture sponge is full so that the snow on top of it can melt off and turn into flow rather than filling up the sponge again. And so, yeah, that, that'll be interesting to see how the the forecasts, how this fall completely shakes out and how the forecasts are actually trying to bake that in for the runoff for next spring. All right, so just thinking about what's happened, has November largely, well, how has November played out both in terms of actual rainfall and, and temperature, but also in terms of you know the position of, of the jet stream that, as you mentioned, and and some of the, you know, has have we experienced uh, in, any substantial um, storms to to note? I guess I'll summarize this by saying, if I looked around, if I looked around the Southwest, so far we're trending at below average across like you know much of the region. Yeah, we're we're below average. I mean, it was not a, it was not a blockbuster November by any means. Uh, it was it was interesting. It was we started off November. It was quite warm again. We had we think when we step back and think about the the pattern of the jet stream and the overall kind of weather map pattern on there, it was um, it was a roller coaster of you know some strong ridging followed by some uh, pretty decent troughs of low pressure that came through the region. And so we did end up having a heat wave early on that did break some records across uh, parts of the Southwest in the early part of this, the month. Uh, had a nice uh, trough come through and cool things off the middle part of the month, warm back up again, and then had another trough come through. These weren't particularly wet systems. Um, the one towards the middle part of the month think you you were telling me, Zach, that you actually saw lightning as that storm rolled through Tucson. Uh, but it was, uh, yeah, another uh, shortwave trough of low pressure moving through. This one wasn't quite as, as cold as the one earlier in the month, but it did pick up some subtropical moisture from the south and uh, sparked some thunderstorms that kind of moved right through the middle part of Arizona. And then it moved up into um, the northeast part of New Mexico. There, there really weren't wasn't a lot to write home for this month. It was basically that event towards the middle part of the month, 17th, 18th, 19th of November. Uh, it hung around in New Mexico on the 20th. And there was a storm event that moved through the northern part of New Mexico on um, the Thanksgiving holiday this, this past week. And I think brought some decent precipitation to southern Colorado and northern New Mexico. Very little here in Arizona. And that's kind of brings us up to today. And we're, we're rounding out the end of November right now. And most likely are going to be uh, below average most places. So we might, we probably missed a storm, like climatologically. Yeah, had, I think that's had, probably had, right. Maybe, yeah, um, probably two events, maybe three events in, in on average in, in our area. Um, you know, we got that. And looking at Tucson, yeah, I'm looking at Tucson precipitation. There was some, like, if we go back to October, there was late October, there was an event. I'm uh, here. I'm just looking at the uh, Tucson airport. There was a late event in uh, late October. Or, sorry, there was a 
a small event in late October and then a little bit in mid November and what, like a week ago was yeah, yeah like on, yeah. uh, on Saturday, I think a week ago, uh, a little over a week ago, there was a little bit of rain too. Um, so yeah, so maybe we missed, maybe we missed an event. Um, and consequently we're like below average Tucson's below average Phoenix is below average Flagstaff is below average. Albuquerque is, is, is below average. And I should say that these, the total amounts are, are small. So, so Tucson is, you know, if we, if we looked at the accumulated rainfall beginning in October through um, this time, it would be about an inch and we're at about um, a, a half an inch. Um, Zach, have you, have you ridden the L tour here in Tucson? A bunch of times, not this a bunch year. Of times. So, so I have this weird, so we have a, a big, um, bike race in Tucson in the middle of November. It's always in the middle of November. And I have this weird thing that I always think about the weather of L2. It's like my checkpoint for November. And I almost yeah. think about what's the weather going to be like on the tour. And, and again, like if you think back, I've been here for almost 20 years and thinking about weather on the tour, you know, it's usually, it's usually mild and it might be a little bit windy and it's usually quite pleasant, but I can think of like two or three times when it rained like gangbusters. Yeah. And so that's almost like, one. yeah. The, and I, the whole day that was, yeah. yeah I didn't, I, I, uh, but, uh, and I'm glad I didn't, but I think like a third or two thirds of the people that started dropped out. Dropped I don't know, out, that yeah. was like I, five or six years ago, maybe seven years ago. Five or six years ago, because I ended up, I ended up working on this analysis of like Tucson rain events. And that, that, that was one of the wettest November days like ever in Tucson and it happened on a uh, tour and it uh, I remember how cold because people got hypothermia and they had so many washes running that it like shut down part of the course so that was like that's like one of my checkpoints is is like I can think about all of these and so I only think you know there's a handful of these wet days and um, that characterizes November climatology for me and uh, here in Arizona. Yeah, no, that's good. It's like, it's, it's by and large, it's going to be nice and maybe a little windy and, and yeah. quite pleasant. And occasionally it's not. <laughs> occasionally it's not, but it's not like, it's not like 50% of the time. It's like less than a third and maybe even less than that. Yeah. You're surprised when it's, when, you know. Right. Yep. Okay. So, you know, the, the, yeah, the general point of November is, you know, it was, um, yeah, we missed a storm or two. We're running at slightly below average. Um, temperatures were right around average, if I if I recall, maybe on the slightly war warm, warmer side. But I think it's going to end up being above average for the month. But yeah. but it was a mixed bag with the the roller coaster of up and down. Yeah, and it didn't actually. I mean, we had been experiencing uh, temperature anomalies through the summer that were much higher than I, I think what it'll ultimately be for November. Yeah. Um, that's right. I mean, temperature being above average for a month is like a given for me now. Like, I mean, it's, yes. I don't even have yeah. to look at the data. It's just, it's just how much above average. And and this was closer to average than some of the other uh, months that, that we'd experienced. Okay. Anything else to write home about in terms of like interesting features about November? Should we just, should we move on? Yeah, that, I mean, that's all that, that really stands out to me. And yeah, I just keep now refreshing the the outlooks for the re and, and the El Nino updates for the rest of the winter. We'll get to that. 
because maybe we should do, you know, maybe it's worth like going back. Cause I, I think right now, right at the beginning, some of the things, and I mentioned this before, but some of the things that in terms of impacts that, that we're eyeing are obviously drought, um, the snowpack conditions, those, you know, obviously the rain rain drives that. They also drive sort of the fire conditions, rangeland conditions in terms of impact. So a lot of a lot of important things that we monitor that affect people and 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 the economy um, actually manifest during during this year. So maybe we should just go back and take stock of how we're uh, take stock of past winners as a way of of, of thinking about the current. The current winner, and then we can talk about Inso, which, yeah. Um, all right, so I had to refresh my memory. Um, so last winter, and now I'm looking at November through March, um, the main thrust of our uh, our cold season, our 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 winter season. Last month was a pretty dang good um, winter across the across the West. Really, actually, if you know, you have to go up to the Pacific Northwest. Um, northern parts of Oregon and and, and Washington and Ida Idaho and Northwest Northwest Montana for below average conditions. Everything else from much of California, almost all of Nevada, Utah, western the western half of Colorado and Arizona was uh, above above average to much above average. I think there you know parts of southern Arizona was was sort of hovering around around average. I think Tucson was was slightly above average. Uh, it wasn't obviously like a um, a really wet winter at the at, at the airport here, but it was it, it was above average. So we we experienced a pretty a pretty good wet uh, winter, mild winter too. In terms of ranking, Arizona as a state was the nine. Let's see, what would this be? Um, it was it was the 99th wet wettest out of 128. So in the upper you know, 75th percentile, somewhere around that, a little bit below that. Utah was the fourth wettest on record. California was the 10th of the 11th wettest on record. Nevada was the eighth wettest on record. Colorado was, was like Arizona. New Mexico, on the other hand, was uh, on the drier side. So it was a 40, uh, uh, it was below average. Um, I think it was a 40, 41st driest. Again, this is out of 128 years. So quite a long record. I'm looking at uh, national oceanic and atmospheric information. So 2000. So last year was, a, was a good winner year before that, Mike. And it should be noted that that was the third La Nina event. You're right. Triple dip. Triple dip. Yep. Uh, so the two prior El Nino events. So now going back um, to 2022 and 2021 were both drier, much drier, much below average, pretty bad winters saved in terms of the drought situation saved by both summers being gangbusters for the monsoon. Okay. Uh, did I miss anything there? No, you can't hear me nodding. I mean, that's the problem with the podcast medium is I'm nodding a lot right now. Um, and then if you go back to the first La Nina event, so all the way back to 2000, that was a wet winter for 
uh, southern for most of Arizona and southern uh, New Mexico. Okay, so the summary here is we've had uh, 2019-2020, so, so November 2019 to March 2020, wet for Arizona by and large. And then 2020-2021 uh, and 2021-2022 was drier than average. And then last year was wet, wetter than average. So, right. um, you know, it's weird. Let me pop in there. November 2019, wettest month of that winter. Yeah, I don't remember that. Um, it was really weird. <laughs> After I just totally bagged on November, that was actually like a wet November. <laughs> yeah. Well, that won't be the case this, this year. How about that? No, I know. We're already, we're already putting that to bed. Yeah. Okay. And so let me just review uh, snowpack conditions. Let me see where we are. Again, it's early, uh, but it's worth monitoring. There's been a few. There's been a few storms up in uh, north of us as well. Again, much of the across the west, actually. So, so not just the Upper Colorado River Basin or the Upper Rio Grande Grande, but looking at the western states. Um, there's, it's been dry. It's been dry. There's most of the higher elevations right now are, are reporting less than 50% of their average snow water equivalent. Again, that wasn't the case last year. Um, right. It's early, uh, it's something to monitor. Uh, why that matters, I think, is we're coming out of uh, a dry monsoon season. Dare I say historically dry, Mike? Um, oh, that's, man. A third, that's the third mention of the monsoon so far. <laughs> um, but we're coming out of a, uh, a dry monsoon season and the drought picture for Arizona, for actually New Mexico, sort of the epicenter in the West, but Arizona and New Mexico are, um, are, are painted in, let's take New Mexico first. Virtually all of New Mexico has at least moderate, sorry, at least severe drought with, uh, you know, probably 50% categorized as extreme or exceptional. So, uh, New Mexico, it's something to pay attention to as, as uh, the winter unfolds, how bad the drought situation or how much better it'll, it'll become in New Mexico. Arizona isn't as bad. I'm, I'm looking at the U.S. drought monitor. Arizona isn't as bad at the moment. It has, I'd say, I'm sort of eyeball, uh, eyeballing this at the moment. It has roughly about 30% characterized mostly on the eastern side, southeastern side, about 30% characterized as a severe drought or, or, or worse, no exceptional drought and just a little bit of, a, of extreme drought. So we'll be paying close attention to um, drought conditions as, as as the winter unfolds. Mike, anything you want to say about drought as you you tend to, anybody, anybody talking about drought and range conditions, how, yeah, you know, the, the summer was a problem. I mean, the the lack of summer precipitation across uh, Arizona, New Mexico, is it's impactful. And the fact that we didn't really get anything this fall is, uh, you know, it's a problem for those systems as well. So, yeah, we're just kind of turning our attention now to try to see what the fall and the, the spring or sorry, the winter and the spring will put together. And what do you think the winter and the spring are going to put together. 
Are we doing it? Are we doing it? Are we are we finally talking about it? Let's move on. Is it time? It's like it's Christmas. Time. Get to talk about Enso. Um, oh, I don't know, man. <laughs> so I'm just, I am completely intrigued by the official Climate Prediction Center outlook for the Southwest. Have you been kind of poking at this a little bit, Zach? A little bit, but I'm I'm intrigued by what is intriguing for you. The what I you know we've gosh we've been doing this podcast for over a decade, handful of La Ninas, handful of El Ninos, and the um, the outlook has almost always been once an El Nino is forecasted, there's a very specific map that shows up, and it's you know it's wet across the whole southern third of the country from Southern California all the way across to Florida. And this is the first time I remember seeing where Arizona, New Mexico, they really are cut out of that. And we have been painted with equal chances for the upcoming winter for a last couple of forecast cycles. And I'm I'm really, I find this really interesting. Really? <laughs> um well, what I find interesting is, okay, so the forecast now is for a strong El Nino event. Um, yeah. Or it's the the sea surface temperatures have crested into the strong category. So that's above yeah. a 1.5 degree Celsius threshold that is averaged across a particular region in the tropical uh, Pacific Ocean. Looking at the dynamical and statistical models, most of them are projecting that the that the sea surface temperatures will continue to warm and some the average of the dynamical models has the event sort of peaking at two uh, two degrees celsius sea surface temperature anomaly which you know um i mean that gets into super el nino range that's not an official term um but it, there's like three super El Ninos on that people talk about the 82, 83 event, um, the 97, 98 event, and and the biggest event, uh, which also incorporates trend. Uh, they all incorporate trend, but more trend. Um, the 15 and the 2015, 2016 event. So we're looking at potentially having an El Nino that is the fourth strongest on 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 record which i don't think many people would have bet on like three or four months ago i think you're right yeah i think spot on it's interesting though that does matter because and we've talked about this before it's not so much that the stronger the event the stronger the let's say temperature and precipitation impacts are. It's that the stronger the event, the more likely the general patterns of impacts present themselves. Yeah. Yeah. So what that means is El Nino favors wet conditions here in the uh in, in the Southwest. So we're looking at sort of uh the stronger the event, the more likely it is that those wet conditions will ma manifest themselves. And again, these are these are not overwhelming statistics, Mike. 
you know, so there's something on the order of going back to like 1950, 1940, something like 27 or so about around there, uh, El Nino events. And dang, I don't have the number handy in my, my, my head, but um, I thought I did. Uh, but do you know, I, <laughs> I don't know if you have it handy. How many of those for, let's say the, the Southwest of those El Nino events have produced above average conditions. The point I'm trying to make is like, it's not, let's say there's 27 events. It's not 25. It's not 24 of those events produce above average conditions. It's more like 20 or 18, you know? So maybe even slightly less than that. I don't know if you're able to like, if you if you have like an easy way of, of, of finding what those stats are handy. Um, I'm scrolling through I mean, my I, web. Here and it, I can make something up, but it probably wouldn't be right. <laughs> Well, was, that's not bad. But are those numbers like generally in the ballpark? What I just said. Yeah, I think that's right. So if you um, you just you just listed off some historically strong ones, right? So 82, 83, 97, 98, and 2015, 2016. For the Southwest, 82, 83, and 97, 98 were were wet. 2015, 2016 was not. The, there's some interesting information there. Um, what I I keep going back to the the Climate Prediction Center discussions and then the actual the dynamical models for the upcoming El Nino event, and they they CPC forecast is really relying heavily. It, it seems like they're relying heavily on dynamical models with some uncertainty as how things are going to play out in the Southwest. What I find interesting with the forecast models going forward is that the they're they're suggesting wetter than average conditions in central and southern uh california with you know fair bit of confidence in the way that they're sort of suggesting that and signaling that and then very wet across the southeast and then kind of in between like arizona new mexico and texas as the other southern tier states that are almost always like lumped in with this el nino there's like a shrug <laughs> so so it's it's weird. I'm trying to understand what that jet stream pattern looks like that would cut out the middle third of the southern third of the country. So I I don't know. I mean, everything else is kind of points to historically that you'd see this above average signal that would extend into Arizona, New Mexico, and I, it's 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 not as strong there. So I'm. I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to, it doesn't suggest it's going to be dry, but it doesn't, it's not super confident that it's going to be above average, which I find interesting. Yeah. And if you look at the CPCs, if you look at the CPCs forecasts, seasonal forecasts, so December, January, February, it's got equal chances sort of all over New Mexico and the Eastern third, let's say, particularly the southeastern third of, uh, of 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 Arizona. And again, as you say, it's sort of um, higher confidence uh, for above conditions, um, above average conditions for, for, for California. Interestingly, it doesn't have below average conditions for the Pacific Northwest, sort of an equal, equal chances sort of thing. But I'm wondering if part of that signal relates at all to a relationship between El Nino and atmospheric rivers. And there is an indication that you know, in comparison to La Nina years, 
El Nino years bring an increased frequency of atmospheric river days to, a, you know, probably mostly California, but as I'm, I'm looking at a graph now. I mean, there there is increased free, uh, atmospheric river days for um, across the Pacific Northwest as well. But but the the sort of locus of it is, I would say, the bullseye of it is sort of California. Uh, so maybe that also relates. I mean, you know, one atmospheric river day, at least in parts of uh, of the West, can really change the, the 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 totals, particularly if they sneak through the topography and and come into the Southwest. Yeah, the the you know, I'm looking at the the National Multimodal Ensemble, which is the the groups of the different models from the different agencies and research groups uh, here in the U.S. And the climate forecasting system, which is the in-house forecasting system that the Climate Prediction Center runs and uses, the January, February, March pattern is wet across Northern California and even in the Pacific Northwest. And it's got this kind of dry area over Northern Mexico, reaches up into the Southwest and into Texas, which is kind of what happened in January, February, March of uh, 2016 with the last historically strong. So I'm wondering if they're getting hints that like the last time this forecast fell apart with a historically strong event, it's kind of showing up there. But it's it's interesting because not every model looks that way in the international multi-model ensemble, which is a, a, a vast array of other modeling groups, including across Europe, which has often done better in the past, doesn't have that 2016 pattern. And it looks a little bit more like a typical El Nino event where you you end up having this, it's not super strong. It does reach into Arizona. New Mexico's kind of left off the table, picks back up again in Texas, where you get this above average across the Southern tier. So there's just a lot of uncertainty out there, which I find really interesting because our whole seasonal forecasting enterprise really is set up on El Nino La Nina events. And here we are with a historically strong one, and we still can't say a lot about a forecast that's only like a month out. Well, I'm having trouble also squaring like the official seasonal forecast with these um with these model patterns, right? Like so the the official forecast, again, I, I described it before, doesn't have sort of below average conditions over the Pacific Northwest, which is like a classic El Nino sort of sig signature and which also shows up in all of the, the models, including the international multi-model ensemble, but also like the North American multi-model ensemble has that. And so somehow the, the, season, the official seasonal forecast from NOAA doesn't sort of incorporate that, um, that, that signal. So yeah, the, the upper Midwest is below average, which is pretty typical. It's usually a little, I thought a little further south in the Ohio Valley. So it's it's not canonical, right? Like we're not, it's not like it used to be when we would get an El Nino event. The map was almost, it looked almost the same from El Nino event to El Nino event. And so I'm clearly there's more information going into them now. But yeah, I I, I don't know. I find it, I find it really interesting to see what's going into this and I mean, this is a recent update too. It's only 10 days old. So, you know, by the time we get the next update in the middle of December, we'll be like into the event. And so it will be the zero lag forecast at that you point. Know, I'm remembering that, you know, from 
podcast in 2015 20, and 2016 saying what I'm about ready to say again. But if there is years in which you lean into these seasonal forecasts, there are years in which there are strong signal, they're ENSO signals, right? And yeah, I mean, the fact that the models are kind of all over the place um, for the most part, or and the the official forecast is sort of not putting forth the canonical El Nino signal. I mean, I'm I'm sort of going off of if I had to bet, Mike. You know, if 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 I was if I was making a decision uh, and needed uh, to base it on what I thought the winner was going to be like, I would side for, you know, above average conditions just based on everything that we know. Um, that being said, and going back to our conversation about November, I would have felt more better about it, like had, you know, November been a little bit better. But again, yeah. I'll update those priors in, in, in December. I think December will be uh, a, a pretty consequential uh, month. Yeah, you know, I, I keep dragging this out. The 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 fall of two thousand nine, winter of twenty ten, which was actually only a moderate El Nino event. And you you and I were working on that project with with FEMA, and um, we were going back over some data, and that was a really interesting event because it it had some. Again, I don't know how much of an analog it is, but it was a moderate event and the precip didn't, it was very dry that fall and the precip didn't start till late in December and just went gangbusters through January and early February. And then it was done. It was like in and out and did its work and kind of nailed the Southwest and then moved on. And I thought that was really interesting because it was only a moderate event. And so it's almost, we've talked about this before, the, the strength we had been kind of using the strength as like, well, as it gets stronger, the impacts get more reliable, but I don't know if that's really true <laughs> anymore, or if it ever had been, if it was like an, an artifact of the the statistics and that yeah. kind of stuff. Cause the 15, 16 really kind of let us down that path and let us, and let us know that that wasn't the way it was going to totally work out. So. Well, we do know that I there's know. quite a bit of new nuance and in, in, in the patterns of ENSO. Uh, I don't know if you yeah. just, um, yeah. but like what, what, what the sea surface patterns themselves are, are like, I mean, we tend to sort of paint it very monochromatically <laughs> um, yeah. if you will. and there's quite a bit of different flavors for e even during an, an El Nino event, like they're, they're not all. Uh, we 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 call it El Nino strong, but there's different flavors of a strong El Nino. Uh, and that yeah, I mean, it, it, last winter was a classic example of the La Nina not working out. We got a different La Nina flavor. So clearly, there's a La Nina wet flavor, which doesn't happen very often statistically, probabilistically. Um, and we see the same with with El Nino. And so, so I, I guess I'm I'm leaning where you are. Like, there's so much historical you know, antecedent conditions or, you know, historical events that that do just set up in the right way that give Arizona and New Mexico above average precipitation. And typically it's the southern part of the state is favored even more than the northern parts of both states. So um, 
you know, that equal chances, I think, is signaling some uncertainty. Uh, but there, there does seem to be enough information to su suggest that it's just it's not going to it's not going to fall off the table and be a below average year. So I don't know how useful that really is. It's like average, probably decent chance of that to above average. Well, let me let me end with this. So looking at all of the moderate to strong El Nino events uh, since 1959. So this is information from uh, climate.gov, NOAA's climate.gov. They plotted up um, snowpack anomalies uh, during moderate to strong El Nino winters. And there is above average uh, snowpack for the high country in California, in Nevada, much of Utah. Colorado is more of a mixed bag, but also Arizona across the Mogollon Rim and, and, and New Mexico and everything north of you know, Oregon, Idaho, Northern Wyoming, Montana, uh, and, 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 and Washington is, is, is below average. So, you know, that's, that's taking all of those events and, and creating an average. And so it's, it's, it's smoothing it out. But, uh, but I think that's a, a sign of at least, uh, optimistic conditions. Um, I want to end it with that, Mike, cause, uh, we're running a little long, but I forgot to mention something at the onset that's important. Oh, right. Yeah. And that is, uh, we're going to do a mailbag um, where we answer some of your climate questions. Uh, and we, we we mentioned this last pod as well, and we got some questions and, and we're going to address uh, some of them. We'll try to get to many of them on our next pod right before Chris, Christmas. So if you can send us an email, that email, Mike, correct me if I'm wrong, is that listed in the show notes? I believe so. Uh, we have been really useful to have that handy, wouldn't it? We will, we will put that in the show notes. So send us an email, uh, but ask us your best, uh, climate question can be anything really. Um, uh, we'd be happy. Well, cli to climate related, probably yeah, not yeah, yeah, yeah. existential related. philosophy or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, we could, we could do that. So Zach, <laughs> Zach, I got the, uh, the address. It is uaclimas at gmail.com, u-a-c-l-i-m-a-s at gmail.com. Fantastic. And we'll put that in the show notes. So really appreciate everybody tuning in to us. And uh, uh, hopefully we didn't uh, waste an hour of your time this this month. <laughs> but Yeah. Uh, happy November. Great. Happy great. November. We, we really did celebrate the month, didn't we? <laughs> All right. Take care, Mike. Thanks, Zach. Appreciate it.
dressed up like you're something else Where you are and where it's at You see, you're making me laugh out When you strike your pose Take off all your preppy clothes You know you're not fooling anyone When you become somebody else See you.